Welcome to the Worship Theology Podcast. This is a space where we're intentionally bridging ministry and praxis. It is my delight um, to have Carrie Luce with me. He's one of the most creative musicians I've ever worked with and is an educator in music, creativity, and worship at London School of Theology. Carrie, you're a yeah, brilliant musician, educator. You've performed, played, worshipped with lots of different people in lots of different places. I'd, I'd just love to know, I've known you for years, but if you could collaborate with anybody, gospel, jazz, classical, composers, you know, recording artists, living or dead, who would you love to work with and why? It's a, a brilliant question. I've never actually been asked, uh, but someone who's an expert listener, someone who's creatively inspirational, tonally colorful, spiritually <laughs> worshipful, versatile with a rich story. I put all that together and I came up with Stevie Wonder. Yes. Um, oh, what do you, yeah, oh what, as goodness. you listen to Stevie or is, mm. have you ever seen him live? I've not seen him live. No. As you listen to him or watch videos, like mm. what about him? I know you just r rattled some of those off, mm. but from your own heart, like what, mm. what about him makes you come alive? His sound is incredibly natural. Mm. It's totally who he is. It's totally connected. Uh, he always takes his listeners on a journey. Uh, he's always creative, looking for new sounds. Yeah. Uh, hugely inspirational yeah. on all of those levels. And I think, I don't know his faith story, but certainly seen him in worship contexts and uh, Again, just that sense of the ministry of the Spirit through his sound. Yeah, I can remember a video that went around just a few years ago about him mm. him singing. I think it was a Pentecostal church who, you know, Stevie Wonder's here, mm. so come up, you come up and sing. Yeah, I saw and that, yeah. He did a uh, mm. Jason Upton song, which a lot of people wouldn't know Jason. He's not, I mean, he, mm. I, I love him and one of my favorite worship artists, but um, he's, he hasn't been mainstream, but Stevie goes up and sings one of his songs, In Your Presence, and it was... Powerful, moving, evocative, emotive, and yeah, it'd be interesting to know his his faith journey. Mm. But you can tell he's a he's a fully alive mm. human, which mm. is just so beautiful. And I think yeah, many people see that and say that about you as you mm. as you lead, as you play. You're very um, yeah, you're a, a brilliant musician, but you're you're very sonically and emotively aware. Share a little bit about that. Like, how how do you get to a point as a musician where you move? Um, yeah, sometimes even beyond the page or beyond the chords, and it it becomes more about an expression of of an emotive journey or even just a, a, a wide arrangement or a wide awareness of of sound. Mm -hmm. That's a great another great question. Yeah, I think uh, being willing to experiment and to put sound out there and, and also to think of music as not right and wrong, but to think of it very much more relationally. And so is it connecting conversationally with who's listening as well? So some, some of those paradigms help me as I, as I stretch into new sounds. Uh, but also, of course, uh, listening you know, music is 90% listening. So in order to develop uh, the emotion, the breadth of emotions, I've got to have experienced and not be afraid of listening to all the different emotions that music brings. So even I played 
the most horrific <laughs> music uh, to some <laughs> someone the other day, and it was slightly to tease them in terms of, of, of tease them to f to think of music more. It's not just entertainment. Yeah. So this was the yeah. Fenady for the Victims of Hiroshima by mm. Penderecki, mm. and and, and the, s the strings are just just bringing that sonic. Uh, it's like screaming in your mm. ear, actually, but it's totally, totally appropriate and draws you into the story if you've got the courage to go there. So, yeah, the listening is completely key and, and not being afraid to to do that. And so, uh, I mean, if, if we were to think uh, educationally about this, uh, I mean, I do think of, of music as four windows in terms of the breadth of musical style. And yes, they overlap. They're like, think of a Venn diagram as you think of these four elements, but classical would be one circle, jazz would be another, uh, in the fullest sense of jazz, mm -hmm. not just old school. Rock would be another circle, mm -hmm. rock pop, and then world folk would be the final circle. Mm -hmm. So just for me, listening in all of these areas, uh, music that's connected with me moved me in each of these areas. Classically, Shostakovich Symphony Number no. 5, the third movement, mm. beautiful journey. Oh my goodness, and knowing about Shostakovich and all that he faced in a, as an artist just takes that deeper. Uh, jazz, Snarky Puppy, we like it here, particularly <laughs> that, that set of pieces uh, videoed and on YouTube. Check those out, beautiful. Rock, Genesis, uh, just the, the screaming vocals of, of Phil Collins, but also the way in, in the band just thinks so melodically. Yeah. And this, the music really journeys, beautiful. And then world folk, Bela Fleck is an artist who I really massively mm. respect and who he brings together. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he's uh, such a great example where there is that overlap. You'll hear resonance of classical music. Mm. You'll hear, um, yeah, definitely jazz. Mm. I mean, in his band, many of them are, you know, Victor Wooten is a globally renowned jazz-based player. Like, mm. And then the world music. I think where you might have been the one that got me turned on to the documentary with with him where he essentially takes the banjo into other parts of the world have you seen that yeah, yeah, yeah where he's africa, in yeah. africa mm. and i think even in the middle east seeing where mm. there's yeah the kind of cousins or the fathers or the grandmom of the of the of the banjo in in ouds and saws and other other instruments like that yeah i love that how how is a musician you know that's those are wildly vastly different styles and so i'm i'm hearing I'm hearing two things that are, are really challenging me today. And I'll be honest, like you, you said, you know, it's not right or wrong. Um, and then also you're, you're pulling me into kind of four really different traditions um, of, of journey. And so how do we take a beginner or intermediate who, who is trying to learn something like, you know, um, like Claire de Lune or, you know, uh, improvising over autumn leaves or trying to immerse themselves in... Mumford and Sons and the mm. style of kind of neo-folk, pop rock, whatever we want to categorize. Like, there are basics. There's a language. There's um, behind that. How, how do we train both those, those basics, but then also maintain this, oh, it's not, it's not right or wrong. Isn't it right or wrong? If, if, I'm, if I'm playing a worship chart on Sunday, mm. And the note the bass player is supposed to hit is D. <laughs> and if they hit C sharp, <laughs> like, it's wrong, right? Okay. So, yeah, that's um, 
I'm just basically putting out there the f my heart philosophy yeah. whenever I sit down to play. That's what's in my mind because I think to think of in a performance situation, right or wrong, it just basically ties you up in knots yeah. and restricts your flow, restricts your sensitivity to others, makes you introverted. Mm. So yeah, for sure, as you study, yeah, well know that C sharp is not D. Yeah. <laughs> And know that if, if <laughs> you know you're you're playing in F sharp major, and then you forget to observe the the sharps, you know know yeah. that maybe the sound won't be quite what you're expecting, yeah. and that might actually be interesting to you yeah. if you're on the jazz persuasion, but it also might be offensive to you yeah. if you want it to sound a certain way. So yeah, um, of course, like ev everything, we're holding ideas in balance here. So yeah, for sure, if I'm playing in a classical, more classical context, I'll be aware that I have less of the kind of freedom that I've just expressed. But if I'm yeah. in a jazz context, then I won't, won't be so tied to the chart, for yeah. sure. And so, so for you, it's, it's as you share that kind of right versus wrong, or that there is no right or wrong, it's, it's not so much about the note, but you're, you're really saying that's your larger philosophy, that mm -hmm. in a a context where you're performing or mm -hmm. leading worship or playing in a worship band or mm -hmm. you know on stage at Royal Carnegie Hall or so you know Royal Albert mm -hmm. Hall or Carnegie mm -hmm. Hall Royal Carnegie Hall that's that's, that's yes. probably what it would be would have been I if like if we wouldn't have uh, pushed away from King George and, and <laughs> yes. you guys Royal sorry. Carnegie Hall uh, <laughs> all you need now is a queen <laughs> yeah. I, anyways we won't get into po <laughs> geopolitical issues today but but I, I love that philosophy because it, particularly as you apply it to the larger context, there's so many musicians who fear standing in front of people, again, whether that's in, mm. in church or in a, in a pub or, or somewhere else, fearing that they might play something wrong. And I think this philosophy says, play, mm. <laughs> enjoy, make, oh, yeah. make, make music. I mean, as, as, as you want to train people in, in that larger philosophy, um, but in kind of these diverse styles, what, what does that look like? I know you're a, a lecturer at London School of Theology. You've been teaching some at Dort um, in worship arts here. Like what, what does that look like on a, on a kind of lesson level? Like on a, you've got 50 minutes with students wanting them to, to grow in these areas. What, what does that look like to you? Mm, great, yeah. Um, Thought-provoking. So for me, first and foremost, it's valuing who they are they have to feel their value, their worth as a person before their sound can follow. So for me, it's highly critical to be hearing every from everyone in a room, hear their voices, hear their ideas, uh, whether spoken or played, to dignify through listening, actually, and to show that genuine interest in what's your sound, what, 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 what's inside of you wanting to come out. So to be passionate about that, uh, partly words like safe space come out mm -hmm. in terms of feeling safe enough to explore in a more public setting to try sounds that to make sounds you've never made before yeah. so to try and set a culture there and then uh, in, in peer critiquing just getting the very nurturing encouraging specific yeah. that connected with me and we can find ourselves in our music, but also in our faith, really stoked yeah. 
I think, and that's super exciting for me when I see that happening amongst students. And we do see the transcendence of God in those kind of situations. Uh, and we're hungry for more, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons we like hanging with you, Jeremy, because <laughs> you, you share that resonance as well with yeah. us. As you know, we've been talking broad about kind of philosophy of education even, or training of, of, of musicians as uh, in the big sense that could be for any of those four quadrants you gave. Talk, talk to me, though, specifically about church musicians. You have served as an MD, kind of mm-hmm. worship leader in those kind of pastoral roles. You help lead bands, you know, for conferences and events. You work with your wife, Geraldine Latte, a lot in that. Um, we've done stuff like that together. Like, what are some of those kind of core level competencies? What's, you know, whether that's a, at a local church or a, a group you're going you're gonna to take on tour, what, what are those core competencies as a church musician? What do they need to know mm-hmm. and what do they need to be able to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, so my background, the f- my f- first 13 years of work, my working life in my 20s was as a music director in a multinational Pentecostal church in London. Come on. Yeah, working, yeah, part-time. But um, yeah, so some of the critical skills which enabled me to do my job and to gather team and to uh, allow the church to please, yeah, grow in worship, the ability to play by ear was incredibly important for me so that I could lead spontaneous songs. Note the co- the context here, it's Pentecostal. Yeah. Okay, so yep. spontaneous songs could and would happen in prayer meetings or songs might be added in the moment to Sunday worship. And I can't be like, shh, with a piece of paper, <laughs> just so, oh, where's that chart? <laughs> so yeah, that ability uh, to play and to know where chords are going because I've just explored that a lot. Uh, song arrangement on the fly is, is allied with that, yeah. being able to craft a song journey with dynamics and interest and color and to flow with other musicians in that. That was critical for that context. The ability to work with gear and audio. So I had the piano here, but also had the synth colors just above with the second keyboard. That was very helpful in terms of, yeah, bringing in pads and bringing in brass or what (laughs) have you or, yeah, so that's, that's, critical uh having rehearsal skills with with the band and knowing how to uh just draw train up you know, rookie musicians but also to stretch musicians who are further down the path within the same rehearsal what what might that look like for you or what's mm-hmm. what's an example where you may have some uh, yeah i'm i know in my some of my bands i have Junior high kid, you know, 13, 14 year olds that have played the bass for hmm. a few months, hmm. a year, and then also an electric guitarist who have play, played for two or three hmm. decades that, you know, was a 14 year old, but somebody invested in them and they invested. Like, what are approaches, um, yeah, within a rehearsal or, or within a context to, to both support someone like that? Because I, I know many of us. In, in in real life church mm. wor- musicianship and li- worship mm. leadership have kind of those two things where you've got an expert or a, mm. uh, more than a, just a novice, but then you also have somebody who's super excited but plays G, mm-hmm. hopefully C and D, mm-hmm. and maybe drops an e, e in there too. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, there's different, depends what your focus I- is at the time. So say, for example, your focus is developing rhythm skills, which yeah. I think is definitely under 
uh, focused on in worship bands is so critical that you can give good time to your congregation and okay let's imagine you're you're not on click which probably still m many more churches are not on click they're not listening through in ears to a metronome um, so we do need to de develop high level uh, security with the pulse. Yeah, so groove, like a yeah. sense of groove mm -hmm. together, whether Absolutely. that's over one chord yeah. or one, one tone. Yeah. yeah, so you could easily rehearse that by, okay, let's set up, this is still our worship, people. There may not be words, but this is still our worship. Let's set up a, a chord sequence that's straightforward, C, D minor, F, G. Let's loop that around. Let's now lock the pulse together, okay? Let's add in a subdivision. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay, someone more advanced. So that's solid. Okay. You more advanced over there. Bring in the triplet. Yeah. Okay. So then you've got two against three happening. Yeah. And okay, someone else bring in, if you really want to be cheeky, you know, bring in a five or something like that. So there's always ways that you can take something really simple yeah. with someone and, mm -hmm. but then allow others mm -hmm. to kind of push against that, stretch that is oh, what, yeah. I, yeah, what I hear Absolutely. you. Absolutely, or just get someone to solo over that texture. Yeah. That's a, to craft a solo is always a stretch, for, yeah. I think, I believe anyway, because <laughs> it, to, to take someone on a journey and to find the right fit in a musical context, you know, whether you've been playing all your life, you're still, okay, what's gonna happen now? How do I adapt? Yeah. So there's always stretch, yeah. I love that, love that picture. You know, some of the competencies you were given were particular to a, a Pentecostal church. I know you, you and your wife also do things with orchestras and with, you know, high church Anglican, as you would, you would think about the competencies needed to take maybe a modern contemporary worship song, but then bring it to Albert Hall with, with a full orchestra. On, mm -hmm. on the flip side, what are some of those, those, um, yeah, skills and knowledge that are needed to help 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 you take it to that massive scale, full forces. Are you talking from an arranger's point of view or from a musician's yeah, point of view? Yeah, yes and yes, okay. yeah. Sure. What, what are some of the things that, you know, you needed to do to, or you needed to prepare for or needed to gain to be able mm. to go beyond um, a Pentecostal free flow mm. kind of groove band to mm. I've got 500 singers, mm. I've got a full orchestra, Mm. Um, but we're still doing similar styles of music, but just with, with a yeah, it's a much bigger production. Yeah, well, sure. Well, on that side, you know, re then reading skills came in. You yeah. know, once as soon as you're dealing with classical musicians, yeah. you need really to, <laughs> yeah, in order to fully engage, you have to read, be able to read what they read. Yeah and then be able to put it in the way that they can very quickly play what you want. So for me, developing skills with Sibelius as a music program, yeah. uh, but also, you know, of course, the listening again. Uh, so I guess loads of people would uh, take Bach as a very fundamental place to start, yeah. but um, also through the Romantic era, symphonic music, uh, being first within that sound world is absolutely critical and being having some level of passion about it because if you want to re reproduce it you you've got to love it I think or or reproducing the genre you have to lean towards that sound and, and also to have analyzed it yeah what if as well as critical. Uh, interrupt you but what if you don't love it mm. but ha have a sense of the yeah the the church the leader the pastor another mm. one 
really has a sense this is what we need to do how how would you yeah how would you approach it then yeah <laughs> mm. I think that's a, that's the time for collaboration yeah. then really because if if genuinely your heart isn't behind it then you shouldn't really be doing it certainly in a gathered worship context yeah. I think it's so important that But we sure, surely you've you've played in styles um, you've played songs that you didn't you know you've been an <laughs> MD and an arranger and a church musician piano bass guitar you've surely played songs and styles or keys that yeah you didn't love am i am i wrong am i <laughs> yeah but that, that's then the relational aspect because probably yeah. you're doing it because someone else did love it yeah so then you're preferring someone else's yeah. needs which I, I believe is is somewhere in the gospel about <laughs> you know prefer others needs more than your own maybe somewhere in the teaching of jesus yeah <laughs> so, so you're uh, yeah. you're getting Again, I, l I love that. You're, and some of the things you were sharing earlier, beyond just playing a song, uh, but yeah, you're able, you may not be able to get behind the song in terms of your passion, mm -hmm. but you can get behind the relationship and yeah, you can get behind so right. what God might do through the song, even though it's not your favorite or you don't, mm. don't enjoy it. Yeah, or let someone else carry it yeah. and, and I'll just support play a shaker yeah right <laughs> yeah exactly what what we, we were talking earlier kind of as, as you talked about some of those competencies around things like improvisation and also when we talked about the full forces the orchestra and mm. started talking about things like reading um a lot of church music programs um tend to do one or the other and even some music pro you know conservatory approaches Either it's pushing reading and technical ability, or maybe if you get in a jazz program somewhere, or again, some, some worship programs, really, students don't have to learn to read music. They, can they play a chord chart? Can they read from a, a chord chart? To you, I, I get the sense that both are really important in our musical education and our preparation. Tell, tell me how you got there. Why, why do you feel that way? Hmm. Yeah, it's particularly important because I'm a keyboard player and a pianist. <laughs> so in order to access the, the massive repertoire there is, I had to learn to read. And so there's just so, so much uh, over decades that you can access now because if you can read the dots. So that's a really strong and powerful reason for me was a totally a winning reason to just engage to, despite the fact that I was naturally much more of an improviser, yeah. I thought, yeah, this is so important. I can't ignore this. So yeah, in my in my teens, I worked yeah much more intentionally on my yeah. reading skills and uh, just started buying sheet music from secondhand bookstores and buying all the sight reading tests from grade one to eight in the UK. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just developing, flexing that muscle, and that's served me well, actually, because it's training my ear as well. It's massively trained my ear and my improvisational ability because I'm hearing different languages and understanding them deeper. So, yeah, I mean, it, I do appreciate it's very different as a singer. You can very much learn and be a working singer, working musician in that sense without reading, and yeah. I, I don't knock that at all. Even sometimes in 
classical or formal traditions. Mm -hmm. If you can hear someone else's mm -hmm. uh, interpretation of that, you may be able to pick that up mm -hmm. or hear what the, the band's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, draw that together. Yes. So it's just, again, drummers, you know, unless you're doing function band stuff, you don't necessarily need to learn to read. Uh, but the moment you do certain types of work, yeah. you do. I know here here at, at Dort, I think I could say m m a lot of our, our drummers and worship bands, um, if, if they're not in one of the percussion ensembles, they don't know how to read. But what we've we've tried to, to highlight is that then when we do something with full orchestra, um, they, they've got to at least be able to kind of read of the main chart, even if they don't put the snare exactly or they actually listen to the recording to find where that snare hits. Hmm. Like they still have to be able to use a chart to find that large kind of meta guide of, hmm. of, of where the song's going and, and where it's doing. So even even in those, you know, rock drummers, function bands, if they get stuck playing, you know, there's lots of that collaboration with pop artists or jazz artists hmm. and, and orchestras. And I think that's that's where we need to yeah, challenge those those players, um, God may open up a door for them to to play in a, a unique situation. That's right. Yeah. What What about yeah this this connection with character? We've been talking a lot about competency and what's kind of the the basic skills and knowledge that we need as as church musicians. Um, is yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a leading question a bit, but but I'd love to hear your 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 view really. What is the the nature of the relationship between character and competency, particularly in a, in a worship context. Mm, character and competency, yeah. So, uh, if you're gonna run into to difficulties in a, a worship context, it usually comes because of, of relational issues. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we, we can't really function if our hearts are not not at peace. So it's very important on a just as we walk as Christian and yeah. worshippers of Jesus and Christian musicians that we're looking at our hearts on a regular basis and saying, Okay, God, yeah, sort that out. Sort that out. Take yeah, make me more like Jesus and sorry I did yeah, so that whole flow of of keeping a clean heart before God and being watchful. And then, of course, uh, in relationship with others, doing that is very, very critical. Uh, I mean, I th I'd see competency very much as, uh, as an expression of worship, mm -hmm. very, very much so. Tell me, yeah, tell me more about that. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you were to look for scripture around that whatever you do work at a, with all your heart is working for the Lord not for men so my paraphrase is please aim for excellence actually because it's pleasing to God so sitting in what well, I don't know if you Brits use this but like sitting in the going to the woodshed to like mm. practice your scales your arpeggios rhythm groove drummers with metronome you know mm. three hours before the mm. rehearsal mm -hmm that's worship totally that is absolutely worship and worship is is carries the whole idea of sacrifice and we can often forget that that without sacrifice it isn't worship actually so what are we sacrificing i'm sacrificing time 
and working at something even though I find it hard, that's worship, genuine, strongly worshipful. Yeah. If it's offered to God, if it's in, yeah, offered up to him. I mean, yes, there's a side we have to watch in ourselves of, I do, perfectionism. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, if that's, where does it end would be my question. If it ends in me, then I can't really justifiably call that worship. Mm. If it ends in God, it is worship. Mm. So it's like, where, what's the direction? It's that kind of telos or aim of, again, of course, the worship gathering or the, the quote-unquote performance, but mm. it sounds like for you it's that direction for everything mm. you say, think, <laughs> do. Mm. How, how might we build that competency that's a very character type thing into music ed or into into church music it wasn't yeah it wasn't one of the conversations that i don't think we've we've ever had but how can we create experiences where our students or if, if we're in a local church um where our church musicians can grow in their character hmm. what might that look like or what have you seen even in in your own ministry and mm. teaching? Yeah, I think uh, that musicians do carry word as well as sound and music. And I think to be able to articulate word is very, very critical for a musician and a worship musician to put a finer point on it. And of course, in, in developing skills in articulation whether spoken or played that will form our character because we're becoming bolder more confident more uh, rounded as we discuss ideas as we play ideas through so that's part of my journey to to say to other musicians yeah okay you play your instrument but you also have word in you as I'm saying to myself and in that place of relational dialogue that we definitely sharpen e up each other a lot in terms of character and of course the prayer place is completely critical which in prayer is, is normally articulated through word I mean it can be articulated through groan it yeah. can be just music but often it's through through word and agreement mm -hmm. together so our character is, is formed very much through the prayer space uh, as musicians and that place of agreement, that place of, yeah, pressing into the spirit. And it's God's character, of course, is what we're after, the image of Christ. Yeah. And that comes through pressing into him in prayer and through the word, the basic, you know, tenets of following Jesus mm. uh, in terms of discipleship. So, so for you, it's, it really is about having musicians intentionally spending time studying, embodying, soaking in, meditating mm -hmm. on God's word, mm -hmm. and, and also sounds like being prepared to speak God's word, his truth, mm -hmm. yeah. his revelation over, over one another, but then also spending time listening, praying mm -hmm. to, together. And again, like you said, it's, it sounds so basic, but when you're also trying to get, <laughs> get, get a band playing in the right key at the right time, four new songs for Sunday, and get the tech ready and sound check, and you have 20 minutes before the service, it, it can be a huge, 
huge challenge. Mm. Like, where have you seen that, or in your own life, where have you seen that that kind of fusion of all of what we've just been talking about mm. coming coming together? Like, has mm. there been a moment or a, 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 a time where you've seen all of competencies, all of character, the spirit's activity, people mm. speaking truth over one another? Is that mm. a is that a fantasy? Is that a utopian vision of what <laughs> worship and church music could be, or? Or is that based in in reality? Mm. Yeah, there are definitely worship spaces where I'm seeing that happening. And one which is perhaps slightly unusual in terms of we don't hear people talk about these kind of worship spaces, but we'll have musicians around like a a French horn player and a, a cellist and a percussionist. And so with piano and with voice, and together, we we come into a very non-agenda-driven yeah. space, where th- the only question that we're asking each other is, okay, what word is in you? And then once that question has been answered, it may be one word, it may be a, a prayer, it might be word scripture, it may be a story, whatever. There's no parameters around that. But once that word is in the air, yeah. we just then follow it up with, okay, so play that. Mm. So then on the cello how does that sound and then we'll pile on in and that's an agreed place that's a place where we're journeying together uh, our characters are being formed like in, in a furnace and we're hearing sounds we've never heard before as well it's very precious that's beautiful so that's really in your living room or mm. at, mm. A, at a home and, yeah. and gathering other musicians together mm. to mm. hear from God's word I think it reminded me of the, the first church I, I worked in after, or was called to after a seminary, I was youth and worship pastor. And so um, the church r- was charismatic um, in theology, but, but not so much in worship practice because we had four worship leaders and myself, and I got to oversee them. And one of them came from a very um, prophetic, charismatic tradition. And so play a chord, 45 minutes of, of improvisation and singing God's word and 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 things like that um, two of them came from a seeker friendly church and but it had encountered what God was doing and what and, and moved to this church and then another was slightly Bapticostal like was, was Baptist but a little bit of openness and and so one of our desires was to help us groove and flow and kind of improvise and kind of uh, express what we were sensing God saying, and even respond to Scripture if it was read or, or you know, or prayed musically. And so we'd we'd have rehearsals on Saturday at 8 a.m. and we really needed those. The mm. the band, like we described earlier, we had some 13 and 14 year olds and some 80 year olds. I'm not joking. It had that that breadth, and so we needed wow. to play together. But what we started to do was every other month on one of those Saturdays, just gather everyone. And similar to what you were just saying, read scripture and and create, pray, Beautiful. improvise. And so the, that gave us the ability to kind of practice God's presence or practice flowing, flowing together so that then when we did go go to Sunday morning and one of us might start to veer off from the chart, the, the rest of the band began to be, be able to, to flow. But it, in, in addition to that, it also... I'm talking mainly musically, but also it, it united us in a way that 
was more deep than if we were just trying to play whatever the hit was, you know, blessed Matt Redmond's blessed be your name at that mm-hmm. time or something like rather than playing that with perfection. Um, what, what united us as a community was the sense of risk and, mm-hmm. Oh, I hear your creativity. Show, sing a little more of that or guitarist play out a little more. And that, that sense of, of mutuality and risk that comes with improvising or kind of free flow worship, um, can really, some people think it's very individualistic, but actually as a community, it can really bring out the unique gifts and sounds as we listen to one another and then try to create something together. Mm, that's interesting ideas, yeah. Would you say that risk in relationship is is a key factor in, in terms of having a dynamic relationship well, with someone? I, I think that's how relationships began. Like before you fall in love or get to know each other, someone's got to make a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, true. someone's got to reach out to the other and say, I, I quite fancy I quite fancy you, or I really, really enjoy you, or wow, you're pretty, or hey, would you like to get a coffee? Or, um, and so that's, again, that's a risk. You do not know the intentions or the desires of, of others. We can't read people's minds. And even some of us don't, know how we'd respond and then that's a risk too like well i don't know if i want to go out for coffee with you like so so i yeah i think there is that sense with with relationship um yeah to to learn to be confident in in what we sense and then to communicate that um and it sometimes is courageous or 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 risky yeah so that was essentially what you're doing in your worship space was very much more dynamic in terms of what then was transferred into the more public space, into the service space, because you're taking more risks in rehearsals. Yeah, and I, I think what what began to happen, you know, six, seven months later, is that then our sound checks um, became a space of worship. Mm. And, and sometimes that was a little too intense as we then had a quick call to worship mm. and jumped in, like, it was like an espresso shot. We had all mm. we had all had a big espresso shot, mm. but the congregation really needed an americano. They mm. they needed okay. to be drawn into that intensity. And so I I I think yeah, there is a need for discernment too. Like what what happens within the band, within the worship team, within the ministry team can be very dynamic and needs to be, but also there needs to be a sense of gathering in those mm. who haven't had that experience um and if, yeah. if i can remember we were yeah all, all, most of us on our knees crying out to god as, as they were setting up chairs in the gym mm. in the gym and having to say okay the 200 people that are going to come in a moment aren't in that place of desperation or mm. adoration um how can we maybe take a few steps back and create some signposts mm. to enable them to yeah, to have have that dynamic encounter too. Yeah, so going from naught to a hundred in the car, <laughs> that time kind of idea. Yeah, some pe- people are, are are up for that, but most of us need to be led in in mm-hmm. any environment, and whether it's a class, a concert, or a, a worship space. Like totally, yeah, of course. Oh, it's been a joy chatting with you today, Carrie. Thank it's, you. I love playing music with you and just hanging out. I had one more question that's kind of inspired by. Um, yeah, by a student question, one of our undergraduate students. And 
it's it's more kind of Back to the Future. Do you remember those movies? Come on. You're 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 old enough to know about Only the Delor- about the DeLorean and if you could jump into that DeLorean and go back in time when you were just getting started in in worship ministry as a, a church musician as a music director, what would you tell yourself? It's a great question, and in fact, I did have a conversation with a student where I referred back to my 20s when I was starting out just today actually Mm. and I said be firm be straightforward don't be wishy-washy because my temperament was to be to go along I loved to to agree with someone to go along with them and to prefer what they were saying and but sometimes that I wasn't totally on board with it and that was so I ended up being wishy-washy just oh yeah I kind of think this and so there's a character thing completely but to learn to be firm and to ask, and part of that is asking searching questions, actually. So someone says, oh, let's do an inter-church worship service. And uh, okay, it sounds up here like this could be a good thing, but actually, why is it? Why is it a good thing? What's the vision? Rather than just diving on in, into it, be, so i ask searching questions, I tell myself. Be bold, be firm, ask searching questions. Yeah, what a great place to end. Thanks so much, Carrie, for your time and your engagement. Such a delight Mm. to hang out with you. Thanks, Jeremy. Likewise, it's mutual. (laughs) Thanks for listening today, and a special thanks to the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship for their support of this podcast.